Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show. Uh, I, I think we're going to have a delightful episode tonight. The topic tonight is the power deck and the wisdom of the universe. And our guest tonight is Lynn Andrews. We're going to bring Lynn on in just a minute. But um, I wanted to talk just a minute about the the idea of archetypes, the idea of um, the many different uh, roles that our souls can be uh, playing out in our lifetimes. There's the, the classic polarity of archetypes, the sinner and the saint, the cop and the criminal, the king and the peasant. And uh, oftentimes we can um, look at what's happening in our culture today, look at what's happening in our society and we can cast a, a judgment on it, a, a, a real stout polarity on it, and and label whole arenas of uh, of society as as bad or evil or wicked, and and perhaps those terms are accurate to describe what we see with our eyes, but the the notion that there's some aspect of our human persona that is not of ourselves that is not of divine consciousness is actually folly in other words when we think about um the the paradigm that we're living out now and uh and we look at what's happening you know, when you go to a, a a hero movie, what does the movie do in the first part? What's the first um, um, role of the movie? Well, the, the role of the movie is to come up with a, a villain. I mean, to be a hero, there's there's something uh, tragic threatening the, the common everyday people the community, the, the tribe, if you will. And by the, <clears throat> by the very nature of the struggle, the vast majority of the tribe cannot see a way through it. The vast majority of the community is afraid. In a hero movie, the, the, the definition of a hero is exceptional. The hero is the exceptional persona of the tribe, the exceptional persona of the community. And so in this hero um, archetype, if you will, there's something threatening the tribe. Maybe it's a villain. Maybe it's a a struggle. It doesn't even have to be a, a persona. But the hero... The hero sees beyond the fear. The hero sees beyond um, what the, the, the tribe cannot see for themselves. And, and there's an element of courage for sure. But the idea that, to use the classic term of hero as it relates to a villain, where a villain is threatening the tribe, we couldn't play out the hero archetype if we didn't have a villain. We couldn't play out, not to shift it across a couple of archetypes, we couldn't play out the role of being a slave unless there was a slave master. We couldn't play out the role of being um, persecuted if there wasn't um, a dictator. And so here on this planet at this time, we're playing out very advanced archetypes. Planet Earth right now is, is perhaps one of the most advanced classrooms for a soul to incarnate on, to, to learn what it is like to 
to walk in a karmic tsunami and yet still be able to discover the truth within ourselves, to, to, to still discover that um, the, the sinner and the saint are both the personifications of one consciousness, and that same consciousness is within us. So when you look at what's playing out in the culture today, Take a step back. I mean, especially if you fret and worry or you cuss and you get angry and, and, and you're on an emotional roller coaster, take a step back and perhaps ask yourself, what did my soul intend for me to learn in such a, a, a caustic environment? What is the lesson my soul intended for me to learn in this environment now? And to look at your life from the soul's perspective is to um, really free your ego, to really free your, um, the, the, the mind that would worry, that would be anxious, that would be fearful. So these are things to consider as, as you observe humanity going through the uh, karmic roller coaster, if you will. So those are just some thoughts that I had. So let's get to this episode tonight. I'm I'm so delighted to have our guest tonight, Lynn Andrews, on the show. Lynn has studied the shamanic woman on four continents for more than 30 years. She shares her ancient teachings in her more than 20 books, including the Medicine Woman series, which includes... New York Times bestseller, Medicine Woman and Jaguar Woman. Her books have been translated into 14 languages, and she speaks at conferences throughout the world. Her most recent work, the Sacred Vision Oracle Deck, is a bold or oracular system helping the user to define their presence in the world, like we just talked about. And in combination with the power deck, which is the topic of the show tonight, they create a bridge between the sacred and the everyday life. Please join me in welcoming Lynn to the show. Lynn, I'm so glad to have you on the show tonight. Oh, Les, thank you so much for this opportunity. We have so much speaking, so much fun speaking together, and uh, I hope I can have as much fun with your listeners as well. Well, very nice. Now, now you've created the the power deck, the cards of wisdom, and if I understand it right, this is is this the second version of them? Uh, the power deck uh, I first published about fifteen years ago, and uh, it is an ancient uh, teaching. They're, they're what I call the cards of wisdom. And they're cards that have magnificent paintings different uh, on, by Rob Chowton, by the way, who's a magnificent artist. And uh, I do the teachings that go along with the paintings. So you involve all your senses. You see this extraordinarily rather surreal painting then you if you read out loud or hear yourself reading uh, the teachings that correlate to the painting that are on the back and then you can place them out in all kinds of different uh, layouts and they're teaching cards like the thing that I noticed a lot in people's lives today is that we seem to have lost the beauty of prayer and the satisfaction or the, the communication of prayer. So I wrote both of these decks of cards, which are very different from one another, to give you something. You can just pick a card for the day as you're running out of the house and uh, take it with you because the cards are so beautiful and set it up on your desk, and people will look at them and say, gee, that's a beautiful picture. What is that? And you can explain that it's something that gives you perhaps a different point of view for the day. 
Um, I got the card imagination, for instance, Les, for uh, today's um, program. And what it said it was so interesting to me. It's exploring the wilderness of your own soul through contemplation. And this is the card, by the way, of imagination. And imagination brings you to the altar of your imagination, to have a circle of imagination in your being. Walk with the untamed, wild, instinctual side of your nature, all the time knowing its power. Like a woman aware of her pregnancy, as she moves through her round of daily tasks, you need not focus on the unborn life in order for its nature to continue to grow. Always remember that inspiration often comes after reflection, after the seed of creativity is planted. Once you begin your creative work, the energy of the universe comes to you and imagination flows. And that's the card I pulled... (laughs) Leah, I pulled for us today. And oh, very I think nice. it's very, it's fitting, isn't it, I think? It is. You know, the, uh, we have. I like, the, I, I like the idea of the cards being um, seeds of, of new perspectives, seeds of, of a, a new um, point of view, if you will. I mean, whenever we're, Whenever we're caught up in any kind of a conundrum or uh, uh, there's an aspect of our life that we're frustrated with, what what it's really doing is pushing us to grow ourselves, pushing us to evolve, if you will. And and the the notion that these cards, as you draw them, um, they they bring those new perspectives into our mind, the new. Um, point of view that can seed us with uh, the new outlook and and ultimately the the answer or the resolution of our suffering well it's true and i think a lot of people i don't know if you agree with me on this but i think people have a hard time accessing the wisdom that is right within themselves um I don't know that a lot of people, uh, especially with young people, are really interested in that subject. I don't know. I mean, I may be totally wrong. I know that when I was growing up, I was just uh, voracious to learn, well, well <clears throat> the truth of things, you know. I wanted to know why I was alive. What am I doing here? Uh, what are we all doing here? Um What's the purpose of life? And, you know, I searched through religions. I went through Catholic school, though I'm not Catholic, and went to many of the great masters in the world. And um, for me, as a woman, uh, I wanted to learn from a woman. So I was so very graced with uh, my teachers who... There are 44 women in the Sisterhood of the Shield, which is an ancient, very ancient um, uh, sisterhood of women who are from different parts of the world. Most of us are native. Most of the women are native. I think we're all native to the country we're born in, but uh, truly native people uh, who have grown up in different tribes in different areas of the world. They are very, very extraordinary women of high degree. So they, (laughs) a grandmother in England, one um, experience of mine when I was writing a book called The Woman of Weird, W-Y-R-D, she presented me with this extraordinary uh, deck of cards They were so old that I was almost afraid to touch them that they would disintegrate. 
and they have beautiful right. paintings of flowers on them and teachings. It's, it's where um, the concept of this originally came from. And then there was, uh, of course, the Buddhist uh, a monk in the Himalayas also who uh, retraded some some cards and he was telling me about how he would teach apprentices and um, I was sharing you know the things that we do the ceremonies the some rituals and so forth and how people are being healed so much by the process of shamanism really um, I think when people hear the word shamanism, they think, well, it, you know, you've got to be an Indian, uh, you know, a, a Native American, uh, this or that. And it's, it's right. not true. It, you, you learn to choreograph the energies in the universe, whether it's, you know, a, a, a position uh, in a lawyer's office on Madison Avenue in New York or you're raising children or you have so many people have health problems today. And I always tell them before we work together that if you have an issue, let's just say you have a spine problem, a back problem. I always say to them, and this sounds so, Leah, this sounds so simplistic, but, um, you're backing away from your power in some way in your life. And they'll always laugh less because right. it's true. You know, I keep calling you Lee and then less, but it's less. <laughs> no problem. So, well, I, I like the association of, of uh, the pain in the back and then um, backing away from your power. It's and mm -hmm. it seems like uh, um, th there's so many ways that um, nature, that consciousness, that life has to mirror to us um, how we're incongruent with ourselves, um, wh what we're missing in ourselves, if you will, and uh, to what wh what I like about the cards is. It's it's kind of a it's a way to get your brain out of it. I mean, your brain doesn't um, when you pick a card, your brain doesn't know what the card is, but your soul does. <laughs> and and well, so true. it's a way to yeah. it's a way to like channel to yourself or inspire yourself by getting out of your mind. Oh yes, and. You know, the original brain, which I'm uh, less I'm sure you're aware of, is, you know, right around your navel. That's where your first brain was formed. And uh, we call that the body-mind. And the body-mind has access to your Akashic record, your karma, your life, your past lives, and so forth. Um, but the brain are other brain has a problem understanding that really in my way I don't know how you feel about this but I think that the the brain is a storehouse for all of the things it's been taught and one of the things that comes up for me um, having been on book tour all over the world and traveled and worked with different people I find that most people, maybe 92, 93% of the people in the world come out of some sort of abuse situation in their childhood. Right. You know, and I don't think people know the road out of that issue. Right. They try and forget it. They don't look at it. They don't, but they also don't realize how it affects you. If you've been abused as a child, you're a puella, eternus, meaning the eternal child in Latin. And it means that you don't really want to take success with the adults in the world. You want to have a childhood 
because you never had one. If you were abused, you were living somebody else's dream or their reality to stay out of trouble, don't you think? Yeah, oh, sure. Well, and, and, uh, the, the, um, our egos, well, you were talking about the, the body wisdom and our egos and our brains, if you mm-hmm. will, and our, our mm-hmm. brains... You know, nobody had an ego the day they were born. And uh, and your family of origin, uh, your whatever that dynamic was, that you basically grew your ego in. You literally grew an ego out of thin air, so to speak. And, and those who mm-hmm. taught you, taught you words, symbols, this is a door, this is a chair, um, this is, you know, the policeman, the the school teacher, um, and then what they did is they went back through and they taught you, they assigned values, and I think this is a really critical part. They assigned the values of all the different symbols, and that, and then when our when our our mind goes to make changes to try to interpret our past, to try to heal our wounds, the um, w- what we might need to learn might might not have been uh, uh, assigned any meaningful value to us. In, you know what I mean? In, in other words, the... Yeah, sure. Uh, so what what our simple. mind might see... Yeah, our mind, might, our mind might see something as trivial. Oh, it's a deck of cards. How could that be important? Oh, it's... It's something trivial. How could that be important? And and our minds mm-hmm. can't really, um, I don't want to stereotype all minds, but typically the mind can't get out of its own way because it's dealing with symbols and values, and the real answer is feelings. Well, I think what that's think? true. Well, I agree, because feelings... What do you truly feel? And feelings are what animate, say, a ceremony. Your feelings of sanctity, of something that is sacred, that is meaningful, uh, like your relationship with your power animal, for instance. You have a feeling of love for that animal because it is an expression of your original nature. So the feeling creates your ability to place attention on that power animal, and it's attention that makes somebody feel loved. And that's a feeling. They feel loved if they are given attention from a situation, obviously, if it's of the light. Do you see? What do you feel sure. about that? Well, yeah. I think uh, a lot of people um, um, kind of get caught up in the in the hype, in the hustle of the media and all the, all the mudslinging, if you will, and all the judgment, if you will, and uh, um, they disconnect from their feelings in the sense that their mind stays in this repetitive judgment and, and their mind stay in this um, mental posturing, if you will. And uh, I think the only way to heal anything um, has to have the element of, of being able to feel um, most most of the time what we're avoiding is um, feelings from our past that we've never resolved, feelings from our past that we've never understood, uh, the, the feelings that we didn't um, ever listen to, so to speak. So, it, yeah. um, Well, that's what we recreate them in our lives. The way that you felt about your dad, if he was abusive, you recreated that somehow, maybe with a boss in in your business, uh, maybe a 
That's society. exactly right. No, no, you got it right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you you see, you you go, oh my God, I feel the same way towards this person in my life as I did about my dad or my mother, and you recreate sure. it to unconsciously try to heal it. You know, you said something earlier, and I just wanted to mention it, if I can remember what I was thinking. You were talking about villains and heroes. We were talking about life today and the archetypes of good and evil. And what if, what if the archetype that you consider to be evil is actually the teacher, the good teacher that is trying to wake you up in your sonambulism of life. What if what you think is evil is actually not evil at all, but is your teacher and, but a loving teacher, and you don't see it because of your judgment. What do you feel about that? Well, that's, that's beautiful. I love it. Um, you, you hit the nail on the head because um, my, my dad was uh, a World War II vet, and he, when he got mad, he cut you in half with his eyes, just with his glare. And when he got mad, sure. you couldn't make yourself... You couldn't make yourself small enough. You wanted to be invisible. And then I fast forward, mm-hmm. fast forward into my working life. I'm working in broadcast television, and my boss is this. He, I would call him at the time. I would call him malicious and evil, but in truth, he was my angel. Wait, wait, wait! What? He's evil and malicious, and he's my angel. Well, yeah. He probably had one of the biggest soul contracts with my soul because he pushed my buttons for 10 years and he put me on a couch. And on that couch, I cracked myself open. And had he not been such a good tyrant, a good SOB, I wouldn't have cracked open and I wouldn't have uh, found my life purpose. So he was he was truly a gift, that that angry, malicious man was one of the most profound gifts that I had in my life. And there's another element to that. Perhaps we choose to see someone, say a political figure or a boss, like you're talking about, and we, because of certain behavior patterns, we choose to see them as horrible people. Like, you know, whatever description. We right. fail to see that in actuality they are horrible people. They are doing wonderful things for you, but you don't right. even see it. Yeah. And it, it, it's fascinating, the villain and the hero. You know, in uh, in the Native American world, there's a, a tradition called the Hayoka. And very simply speaking, the Hayoka is a, a backward teaching in a sense. And, I mean, for example, if you're a warrior and you're Hayoka, you ride backwards on your horse with a broken lance. And it shows your extraordinary faith that the Great Spirit will take care of you. Wow, I and, like that. And I think there's a lot of Hayoka teaching going on. It's coming in a in a way that maybe we're not used to at all, and we judge it, and yet maybe, maybe we are judging it because we are terrified as human beings of change, of changing our perception and the way we approach the world. What do you think right. about that? Right. Well, I, yeah, I think I think we get scared of change because 
uh, we're coming out of pain. We're coming out of misery. We're coming out of suffering. So imagine if you've clicked off a few lifetimes of, of true pain, just uh, horrible circumstances, and you finally get back on your feet, so to speak. I mean, you're, you're mm-hmm. barely finding your sense of balance. You're barely learning how to stand up. And looking at where you've come from, you don't want to fall over again. And so when you find that place no. of comfort, it can seem volatile. It can seem fragile. And and if we go turning all the knobs and, and changing everything, hell, we might fall back over again and go back into to the pain of the past. Absolutely. Oh, we think we will. But, of course, that's not quite true. Right. Because... Uh, that's not going to happen. It, it, when you learn the lesson, you set yourself free. Oh, absolutely. But to learn the lesson, first of all, you have to want to learn what you came here to do in this life. So many people are going to pass on and never know why they were born which I just find a tragedy. Right. And so, you know, I, besides the power deck, uh, which is, oh God, I just wish everybody would get it. It would enrich your life so much. And the other deck that I did is the Sacred Vision Oracle Cards. And this is um, a strong deck in that, it is very much kind of a, <laughs> I looked out at the world today and I just wanted to give people a, excuse me, but a kick in the butt. You know, like, wake <laughs> up. What in the holy world is the matter with you? So I wrote an oracle deck, and I was all right for me to say that. And when we think of oracles, we typically think of, traditional oracles from ancient times. We think of a high priest or priestess who goes into a trance to commune with a deity um, prophecy and to give people the future or reveal to us a divine purpose in life. In other words, someone outside of ourselves who is supposed to give us the vision and wisdom that we seek. The problem with that is that it's within you your oracle your vision your wisdom is inside of you it's just how do you access that and you know there's a voice that speaks of what is real and true for you and a truth that you may not even know that you carry until you see or read something that awakens that voice so and then you become your own oracle once that process begins because you have embraced the voice of wisdom that is a part of you. And if we would just stop for a minute, all of this madness, we run madly from one end of the day to the other, and we don't think about connecting perhaps with God or nature and all of life rather than keeping us separate and apart. You know, we separate in our madness, in our chaos. And if you can find that God, the goddess, the great spirit, is in all things, and all things are within the great spirit. So we are actually all part of a oneness in life. And I always say to people, they get very upset with me, uh, I say there's a world, you know, there's a war, excuse me, on the other side of the world and in the Middle East. And if there's a war there, there's a war inside of you that you haven't looked at because we're all responsible for our own reality. Don't you think so, Les? Sure, yes. And 
the, the idea of the collective consciousness, the collective um, mind, if you will, of all of humanity on the planet. And uh, um, to, to heal what's inside of you um, makes it easier for everyone else on that planet to heal that same thing. It, when one person mm-hmm. ascends to... If one person ascends to enlightenment and another person ascends to enlightenment, every single time humanity raises its consciousness, wherever it is on the scale of consciousness, it makes it easier for the rest of humanity to heal themselves in that same arena. And so the mo- clearly the most powerful thing you can do to heal hum- humanity is to heal yourself. Oh, you have to. You have to heal yourself first, and that's the issue. People don't know how to do that. They don't even know what that means less so often. I mean, people don't know that they're creating their own pain, and if they'll stop long enough, just do the power deck every day or sacred vision oracle cards, either one. And um, I've written 21 books on this subject sort of I um, came out of really an incredible life uh, in the film business in Beverly Hills and married to someone in in the film business and I had a beautiful daughter and the life that people dream of and I needed to find why I could see lights around people why I was not fulfilled I couldn't understand why and why I could see into people their their health where they needed to be healed for instance and I had been able to do that since I was about five or six years old and when I realized early on in my life that it scared people to death and they thought I was invading their privacy I started to hide who I really was and I think right. that's when I began to realize that that's what people do. They hide who they truly are because they don't think they'll be loved. I didn't. I didn't think people would love me at all if they knew of these kinds of things about myself. So I left, and I'm not saying other people should do this, but I left my life because I needed to to find um well, to go in search and, and move down this trail of understanding the freedom and the uh, how the energies in the universe are all part of us. And you choreograph them. You dance with them. And you heal the issues that you have. You heal the things that are inside of you that just fester and create harm. Because you can do that. And I think perhaps that's another thing. Uh, lessons that people don't know, that they can actually heal. What do you think? Right. Well, I, I like what you were saying about um, um, where earlier in your life you didn't feel like you were lovable. And... Uh, and certainly I've had that in in my own persona. And then what what came to mind was uh, the judgment of others. So we look at somebody else in society, and maybe they're doing atrocious things. And uh, we look at them in judgment, and and we we label them as bad, as the scoundrel, the the villain, the scallywag. And yet, somewhere in our own life path, as a soul, in our many, many incarnations, there were lifetimes where perhaps we did that very same thing that that in this lifetime we're putting heavy judgment on. I mean, th- those two things are related. And, and well, to, they are. To, to heal our judgment of others in this lifetime can help heal our past and our judgment of our own past so we can actually more fully love ourselves. 
Well, I think that's absolutely true. And, um, yeah, definitely. And to love ourselves is, of course, the issue because when you realize that we're all made out of the same thing, uh, a machine gun is made out of the same material that a sacred pipe is made out of. We are all one. And this matrix of life is uh, a network of life that we're all part of. So if I jump up and down on my luminous fibers, it affects people around the world. When people say prayer, prayer helps. It does. Because not only does it go out on the energy waves, but it opens your heart. And when you open your heart, then you move into a place where there are all possibilities and it's right in front of you. Yeah, I like that. You just yeah, you just have to be able to see it and be happy that you see it and not be afraid of it. Right. Well, you know, uh, you and I were talking before the show started and and we've both uh, we've both been on this planet uh, plenty of decades, and we've seen so many faces of humanity over the years. I mean, I remember in uh, in in grade school, um, um, the fear of that generation was nuclear war, and we we were afraid that nuclear bombs would fall from the sky like rain, and. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so you and I have gone through just countless variations of of society's fears and worries and pain and suffering and sorrow and and yet both of us before the show shared with each other how much we value life, how precious life is, how wonderful life is, um, and I think that's a a testament to understanding the, the 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 purpose of life and and the purpose of our our own individual lifetimes and the reason why we're here. You don't have to look at the the crazy storyline that's going on now and then determine for some reason that your life is anything but precious. Exactly, and it is precious. And some people don't seem to understand that, which is, gosh, such a tragedy to me. So, I, well, one of the main things that I have always um, found so important to my own existence is animals. Animals and their ability to act as a an, an antenna between the Earth's spirits and the sky fathers and mothers you know they're magnificent creatures and certainly human beings um i thought if i wrote stories the stories of you know my experiences with agnes whistling elk or ruby plenty chiefs or twin dreamers and on and on there are 44 of us if I wrote those experiences, perhaps people could go along, read my books, and go along on those stories with me, and and it, it works. That's how people have read my books. They're not how-to books. They're uh, experiential, I guess you'd say, and they're autobiographical. Right. But- that's a powerful way to communicate, really. Well, it's owning your power. You know, I have a writing school and I have a shamanic school. And I teach um, I teach what I've written about. And I teach writing from a very different standpoint than most people. And I'm trying to help people find 
their creative soul. Whether it's through writing or painting or music or love or whatever. Um, so that when they go out into the world, they won't abuse another person or an animal or an environment. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I know I know from the masculine point of view that um, my my father comes to mind again when I look at uh-huh. uh, when I look at pictures of him uh, before World War II, before he went into the war, he he all the pictures he had a big happy smile on his face. And he was a very uh, joyful kid. Of course, I didn't know him at the time because I didn't come around <laughs> for decades. But uh, all the pictures of him after the war, he had this um, this kind of sorrow. Um, sure, oh. he, sure, he would smile and whatnot, but you could just tell that his soul had been um, really uh, beat up. And he had, he had gone through real serious misery, and uh, I think sometimes the the masculine, the male part of our society, are put in situations where they have to just shove their feelings down so far, um, and that to heal our, our our ability to feel is what's going to prevent us from going back into. Um, conflict and war. I mean, if we truly have feelings for one another, we can't really um, bring that kind of harm to one another. But but if we're numb to our feelings and our egos are afraid, then hell, we're we're capable of doing all kinds of atrocities, which our human history has shown us over and over. Well, it's really religious war to me. You know, yeah. in the name of God and what I believe in, I kill you because you don't believe in it. It's right. madness. Just and why don't we empower each other with our differences? How fabulous. Oh, yeah. We're all so different. It's so exciting to meet people who are truly different. I'm truly part of another world. And... I, I'm just horrified at what's going on. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Sure. And I it's... I just uh, and the you know the blowing up of churches and temples and uh, places that are sacred. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's. Uh... It, it's it's part of the the journey of our souls to to come out of the the pain index to come out of the um, the stories of our past and to rediscover our truth and rediscover the power of love and the power of forgiveness and the power of compassion for each other and and that's really mm-hmm. a lot of what this chapter of our human stories about is to learn how to be compassionate learn how to have compassion for our fellow man regardless of if he believes our God or his own God or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, well, anyway, how do you do that? I mean, years and years ago, I looked at the world and I thought, okay, how can I, this little person, um, what can I do? So, I had this extraordinary experience with these women um, that kind of I kind of left uh, my life basically. Um, I certainly wouldn't suggest that to anyone else. It was just, I mean, I didn't leave it totally, but I certainly shifted my my attention. And I wanted to learn about this. I knew that I had some kind of a, a destiny. And it was just too vivid to ignore. And I had these abilities. I didn't know what they were really. So I went in search of someone who could teach me that. 
And, of course, these were the women that I went with uh, to learn from. And I began to realize, of course, write about your own experience and how you learned uh, about having uh, a lack of self-worth, say. I had a, you know, I didn't have the highest self-worth because I, gosh, how do I, um, so I would be put through experiences that would show me myself, a reflection of who I was and who I was not. And so my books, every chapter is full of an experience or a conversation with out in nature somewhere in Tibet or Nepal, Australia, uh, different parts of the world, America, Europe. And uh, what happened? You know, what, what were those conversations? And how did it shift me? And mostly it wasn't conversations. It was really experiences of them putting me in a situation where I had to survive to learn. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it was, trial it by, was true. Trial by hmm? fire. I'm sorry? Trial by well, fire. Think or yeah, they, uh, one, yeah. Well, more than, yeah. More than that, uh, the women, I call them the ladies, they're very elder, by the way, very elder. I've always worked with elder women. Um, they saw that I needed to learn some things, and they sent me down to the Yucatan to work with a woman named Soila and her husband, Jose. And... <laughs> I went down there and spent quite some time. I wrote a book down there called Jaguar Woman. And it uh, it was up for a Pulitzer, by the way. Oh, and nice. it, it, it's a wonderful book, I think, on the New York Times. <laughs> Not that that, whatever that means. I mean, it was certainly, it's a book I love. And they sent me down to work for this woman who is part of the Sisterhood of the Shields. And to work with her, I didn't know what I was getting into. I just trusted that they certainly knew what they were doing. They were, they are such extraordinary women of power. So I went down and we stayed, you know, we were, I stayed with them in uh, a little hut that was so beautiful and dirt floors and very clean and very, uh, I don't know, had a wonderful feel to it. And one day, Soila got me up early. We were sleeping in hammocks and she got me up early. We had a little bit to eat and then off we went down this trail. And the trail, there had been a bit of rain the night before. And so the trail was really slippery. And I'm wearing these hirachis that are sandals. I don't know if you've ever worn those, but they slip on and off your feet. And (laughs) off we go. And I keep saying, Soila, where are we going? I can't keep up with you. And she's walking along and cutting. She's very tough with me. And uh, (laughs) pretty soon we took a little veering off to the left on another trail. And suddenly she stopped. I stopped. And our toes were curled over this cliff and down below us. It seemed like, you know, 5,000 feet. I, I don't like heights scared me, just scared me to death, because if we'd kept walking, we would have fallen right into it. And she's laughing at me, and she points to a trail around the side, uh, journeying down to the bottom of this caldera, what they call La Caldera, and the cauldron, sort of, sort of. 
Anyway, off she goes down to this trail. And I said, "Uh, where are we going? And she said, well, we're going to go down this trail and follow me. And I said, I can't. And it was dangerous. It was a little tiny trail on the side of a mount, uh, the cliff. And I said, I am afraid I, I will I will die. I'll fall off of this or slip off. And she said, if you do not follow me, you will never be dreamed again by the sisterhood of the shields. And she wasn't kidding. So I thought, okay. If I die, I die. So I was sure that I wasn't going to make it. Right. And she went off ahead, and I'm slipping and sliding and grabbing the cliff. She comes back to me, and she said, "I there's a gift for you <clears throat> that spirit has left you in a nicho, a long little, uh, little indentation in the cliff down the trail you you take that as a gift it is for you and off she went and i'm struggling down this trail just uh, i mean really let's i can't tell you how frightened i was and i came to this nicho and there in the nicho was this ruby a beautiful beautiful ruby and i knew that it was part of a ceremonial um, sacred things of the sisterhood and I looked at it and I touched it and I said I cannot take this I don't deserve it and I left it there and I went struggle struggle down the trail got to the bottom finally and Soila was sitting over against a tree totally disgusted with me and I'm <laughs> I made it I made it I, she said come come over here and I came straight towards her and walked right into quicksand and uh-huh. I sunk uh-huh. down to my uh, you know struggle struggle sunk down to my waist till I realized you gotta not move at all and I'm terrified at this point and it, it sounds like a, just this awful experience. But in reality, it took that kind of an experience for me to understand how I didn't trust myself. And I didn't realize who I really was. And it wasn't until much later that evening that I finally got the message and she pulled me out of the quicksand, but she wouldn't pull me out until certain things had happened and she realized that I had come to an understanding. So my books are like that. You know, I guess unless I'm just kind of slow, I don't know. (laughs) I've just had to go through. I know that feeling. Well, I know I know <laughs> the you? feeling of uh, feeling like I'm slow at learning stuff sometimes when it comes to spiritual growth. Well, you know, yeah. an hour can go by pretty fast. I want to make sure our audience knows how to get your books. And uh, can you share with our audience uh, um, if you have any workshops or if you work with people, just tell us how to get your books and how they can connect with you. Oh, that's so wonderful. Thank you, Les. Yes, my website is Lynn Andrews, uh, and, or lynnandrews.com, and uh, I work with people uh, over the phone. I like to do that because we get inside of each other's heads that way, and we're not separated by physicality. I really like working on the phone. I think it's very successful. But anyway, if you go up on my website, you can see um, where my appointments are. And we have a wonderful event coming up uh, at the end of July in Arizona, up in the mountain of Prescott, which is high enough to be beautiful, forested, and cool. 
And when I give an event like this, we have a sacred fire, we do ceremony, I teach you many things. I usually have a live band for our meditations. And you stay on the place, it's called Chapel Rock. And you have a room or a place to, to sleep there, and you have meals three times a day. It's really good food, and they'll uh, tend to your different needs. And it's a small campus, very beautiful, very forested and lovely. And right. so that's going to be the end of July. Then we're going to Eastern Europe. Before that, on the 3rd of July, we're going down the Blue Danube in Eastern Europe uh, on a cruise down the river. And I'm doing this for a lot of reasons. And it has to do with our ancestry and our DNA and so forth. Um, Anyway, it's a beautiful, beautiful trip. And then... I have a wonderful shamanic school. You can read about it on my website. I have a writing school. You also can read about that. And I'm going to be up in Calgary on the 27th, 8th, and 9th of September. I'll be lecturing there. And I'll be at the book fair in Denver coming up in a couple of weeks and nice. gee Les maybe you'll come by and say hi <laughs> that sounds like fun and uh, it's the yeah it's a big publisher's book fair it's a big deal they have it once a year the booksellers meet all the um, publishers and so forth and I have my two new decks out these both came out um, very close to one another the power deck and the, I want to tell you just something I didn't mention about the Oracle deck. Uh, a very dear Native American artist friend of mine from Oklahoma uh, who is just an exquisite uh, painter did the cards for the Sacred Vision Oracle cards. His name is Robert Taylor. And if you go up on Amazon, you can see my books. Um, you can like my um, page, my uh, <laughs> and uh, the uh, Facebook, and Instagram, and all those wonderful things. You can like those and enjoy them. And we have chat rooms. We have a group on uh, all of which is free, of course. I have a newsletter on the website. I'd love it if you would. Uh, just uh, go in and say that you'd like to receive it. Uh, That's on the website as well. And um, I am certainly available. Um, I can be reached. All of that information is on the website. And uh, golly, I just wish you all the... uh, the most beautiful vitality and health and joy in your life. And for heaven's sake, learn what you are doing here and why, you know, why you were born. What are you supposed to learn here? There is just so much, many levels of adventure that are here for you to enjoy. And it will bring you health and healing and a feeling of security, as if you're taken care of, in a way, by the Great Spirit. Well, very nice. Well, Lynn, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight, and uh, it's really been a pleasure having you on the show. Well, Les, you're absolutely wonderful, and good luck with everything that you do. We've been talking with Lynn Andrews, and the topic tonight has been the power deck and the wisdom of the universe. Um, You know, life's a wonderful thing when you can show up for it. So, as Lynn said, take the time to learn why you were born, why you're here. It's, uh, It's always a pleasure for me to bring you episodes like the one we had tonight, and, uh, 
go to newhumanliving.com and look under the radio tab. You you can find other episodes and sign up for the newsletter. Um, it's my passion to connect you with uh, events and people that will awaken the power in you. I'm your host, Les Jensen. It's been my sheer pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.